Hey everyone, uh, this is Mike Dunn, and you are listening to Rethinking EDU. This is our, I think it's our fifth episode. Is that right, co-hosts? Does that sound right? Sounds good to me. Okay, okay. (laughs) So we're on our fifth episode in season two, and we're here talking about networks, networks of schools in particular. And I'm here with my amazing co-hosts, Matt, Julie, and Janine. How are you all doing this evening? Awesome. I'm great. Good. Nice, nice. Okay. Y'all want to check in? Matt, what's going on with you tonight? Uh, just, uh, just trying to stay sane in the midst of this uh, pandemic, trying to get outside, go for nice long walks, absorb the sunlight, breathe the fresh air in. Nice. I hear that. What about you, Janine? I'm trying to make sure that my kids are doing school but at the same time you know uh, learning something new without having to be on the computer so uh, there's been a lot of interesting projects happening around my house and probably causing a lot of a mess but that's okay (laughs) it's kind of awesome julie what's going on with you i'm just really excited to be here tonight because a significant portion of my thought tribe is here that's awesome and yeah i uh i'm here at home as usual we started our presentations of learning at my school this week. It's been awesome. Looking forward to 29 more in the next uh, eight days. It's going to be it's going to be great. And we are also here with uh, one of our um, friends and mentors and professors from Northeastern University, Dr. Chris Unger. Welcome, Dr. Unger. Hey, hello. Thank. Glad to be here. So. Before we get into this episode, Dr. Unger, I've got a question for you. Let's go. Lay it on. <laughs> Over the past couple years that the four of us have gotten to know you, we've all called you Dr. Unger because, you know, yeah. this is the usual studently thing to do, yeah. right? You get a professor in a class, Dr. Unger, yada, yada, yada. And it, we recently had a conversation. And at the end of the conversation, I was like, oh, thanks, Dr. Unger. And you sort of laughed at me and, you know, we signed off and whatever. And so it got me thinking, if not Dr. Unger, what do we call you? (laughs) Well, as long as we're friends, you can call me anything. Um, (laughs) Fair um, enough, fair enough. Right? right? Um, But, you know, uh, I think the reason I laughed is because, you know, it's taken me for a while to be called Dr. Unger. And it's kind of interesting too now when I go into hotels and I go on, a, you know, airline calls or something, and they say Mr. Unger. I'm like, whoa, wait a minute now, you know, I'm Dr. Unger. But you know, <laughs> reality I and mean, part of the reason I share this story, and this is kind of what I've been thinking about this conversation tonight. And um, and as uh, all of you were in the entrepreneurship class that I teach at Northeastern, mm-hmm. and um, I think that sort of a you know start off to this conversation is what happens when i teach it in person on campus i get anywhere from 30 to as many as 65 educators from across the country uh and you know i the first question i ask is um i assume you went into education to make a difference and i would assume and i think and everybody's listening um that you know yes i i went into education to make a difference um and then I always ask, you know, are you making that difference? And the unfortunate uh, thing is, and we can get into this if you want to, 
is that a lot of people kind of hem and haw and say, well, I'm really not making the difference that I was hoping to make, which is um, kind of a sad uh, commentary on what we see in schools and school systems, uh, more so in some than others, that there are teachers who went in to make a difference and really support students and so forth. And depending on your circumstances, there may be particular policies or curriculum or mandates and structures of the and cultures of systems and, and schools that don't really give you the freedom and leeway to make the difference that you really want to make with students. And so right, right. I'm, sit, I'm sitting, I'm standing there literally, I remember four or five years ago, 65 students in this large classroom or not classroom, but a space that I had found on campus and said, um, so do you really want to make the difference you intended to make? And people will say, yeah. And I said, well, do you want me to kick you in the uh, rear end now and, 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 and get you to start thinking about how you can start making that difference in the next two or three years? Or do you want to ask yourself that question about in another 20 or 30 years? Because, mm-hmm. uh, and, and I think that's a big eye opener. And the reason I'm telling this story in the relation in commentary to the conversation is I, I basically look out to the class and I say, you look, this is about you being a change agent in education. This is about you coming to terms with what you want. I mean, this is going to sound totally out there, which is probably why you guys invited me to do this. So I'm going to lay it out there and <laughs> lay it out, you know, just tell it like I see it. Um, I'm ready. You know, you've got one life to live. And if you're going to live it, my big question to anybody and everybody, whether you're in education or not, is what is the difference in the world you want to let it make? And what's the life you want to live? And like, let's stop just, you know, being on the treadmill or just making money. And let's ask ourselves, what is living my best life look like? And in the, in the class, we start to talk about that, which sounds crazy, but that's a reality. And I think that's why I kind of, kind of get shaky about being called Dr. Runger because I then share with the class that I'm not unlike them. I'm also living in these ecosystems that are trying to, uh, uh, of people and places that are trying to make a difference in the world and change what schooling and learning and education and relationships with youth and families looks like. So I am no different than you. I am also trying to be a change agent in the world. So I'm not someone who has all the answers. I'm trying to figure it out just like you. So in that sense, I'm not Dr. Unger. I'm just Chris, another guy trying to make a difference in the world. (laughs) I would also argue that by planting that same seed that you're talking about right now is there's a power relationship that exists in schools that requires students that has been historically informed for for hundreds of years in a lot of cases that requires students to address their you know um, person who's the teacher by some sort of formal form a mister a doctor a miss a missus or whatever it is when i started teaching at my current school i had always taught at schools where they referred to me as my first name mike and when i started teaching my current school it was mr dunn and it took me a probably six to eight months to actually like reprogram my brain to be accepting of being called Mr. Dunn. I think that that speaks mm-hmm. a lot to 
something that I see in education and also the reason why I think I should call you Chris, right? You should, or you can choose to call me whatever you want, but Chris is good. Um, <laughs> so before we get into it, Chris, yes. um, let's just do a quick, brief overview for folks out there that are listening that have no idea who you are. So yeah. you teach yeah. in Northeastern University's Graduate School of Education. Yep. You um, also co-lead Northeastern's uh, next initiative, which is, which is something we hope to talk to talk yep. about tonight. Yep. Yep. Um, next initiative is an experiential learning educator uh, network. Yep. And I would say, and correct me if I'm capturing this correctly or not, your purpose in working at Northeastern with Next and also your life purpose mm. is to inspire and empower educators Oh, yeah. and the education leaders right. to disrupt what is happening in maybe typical status quo teaching, learning, and schooling. And, uh, you know, just to plug your efforts, you've worked with hundreds of schools, yeah. countless of students, districts, yeah. departments of education all over yep. the country yep. to try to highlight what some of the amazing things that are going on in schools are. You want to add anything to that? Yeah, no, I guess I'll try to build on it. I mean, there's so many directions we can go on here, but I think, you know, in the time that we have, you, you framed it in terms of like, you know, can you speak to the power of networks? And right. and you, at the very opening, you said, you know, these network of schools. My My thinking is changing a little bit, you know? So part of this, you know, power dynamic and relationship building and knowing each other is to be very upfront with everybody else is saying, I don't have the answers, I have ideas, I'm trying to make a difference, I'm, I'm continually rethinking how I can make a difference, how I can work with others to make a difference in the world, how we can change the face of education. Um, so I actually am going to, I do think that the, there's huge power of networks, which I can get into. And I think that's really, really, really important. But probably superseding that above all, is the power of relationships. And I think that, you know, like, this is why, you know, I got big love for you guys, <laughs> thumping my chest, you know, because <laughs> I saw in you, right? I mean, is that louder? Uh, I see in <laughs> you, like, there is a, there is something that I saw in each of you who basically, you know, there's a resonance around these ideas like you know i shouldn't just go through the motions and just allow for the status quo to continue but i'm on this earth i'm here to do something i'm here to make a difference and i'm going to find my way and see how i can make that difference and there's a lot of us there's a lot of um educators you know really great meaning you know well you know um educators that care for kids want to do right by kids and I don't know, I wanted to kind of send this message out, and I'm not sure where this will go, but, you know, I feel like one of the most beneficial things that would be helpful for educators is to um, come to, it's sort of like an empowering paradigm or schema or however you want to frame it, a perspective, which is to take the fish and water perspective. I know that's kind of out there. But the point being is that 
you know, fish aren't basically swimming around in water saying to themselves, I mean, this is nothing new. This is, I'm using somebody else's, you know, jargon here, but whatever. They're not saying, oh my goodness, I'm in water and it's not really that healthy and I don't like it. And why couldn't it be cleaner? And I want to get out of here. Like, this is not good, right? Mm, yeah. Well, educators, particularly when you're young, I think you get older, you kind of see this, but not all the time. These ecosystems and some of these ecosystems we land in are really not that healthy. And you almost become a victim of the ecosystem in some ways. And the worst thing is to sort of be a victim in it, but don't be not able to recognize it that it's the in it's the ecosystem that's impacting the way you think and feel and behave. And it's really powerful to be able to say, wait a minute, let me step out of this ecosystem, at least uh, mentally, and, and ask yourself, well, okay, well, what, what's going on here? And is, do, I, do I agree with this? Can I live by this? How is this making me feel? Do I feel good about this? Um, and, you know, we're doing an injustice and harm to students. And I, and I always tell in the, in the entrepreneurship class, like, I'm not telling you to like quit your job, your, your job and, you know, because you need to pay the mortgage and feed the, but, you know, I'm basically creating eight weeks to 12 weeks where I'm basically asking everybody to say, you know, okay, what do you really want to be doing? <laughs> Cause I don't want you just biding your time and, and, and getting a paycheck for the sake of getting a paycheck or buying your time. I believe that, everyone has a passion or interest and i and so this is sort of like you know this is what we should do with kids too our youth right it's like what what do you really want to be doing with your life and how can i help you live that out or find a way to pursue that so back to the power of relationships right and the networks i think that when you start to develop relationships with other people that you can talk with about you know, your feelings and perspectives of the ecosystem you live in, when you're able to find networks of people who think differently and perceive um, what learning, teaching, learning, and schooling can look like differently, then you're able to kind of step back and ask yourself, okay, maybe this is not the place for me, or wow, that the stuff that these guys are doing and thinking about, I want to bring into my ecosystem to change it. Because our system of education is really not working for youth right now at all. There are some places, some schools, some learning communities that are very healthy and are really assisting and supporting youth in the development of their authentic selves, helping them pursue their interests and passions. But there's very few. Not only is it not benefiting our kids, it's not benefiting the adults that are attempting to really serve those students. The power of relations and the power of networks is to not be like in a closet in your system and a victim in it, but to be able to step back and say, whoa, 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 wait a minute. I need to converse and talk with other people who I can align my ideals with and my values and, and see the system for what it is. And then the question is, can you align yourself and find relationships and networks that can help you to envision what's possible for yourself in moving forward? 
as an educator and in life. Because, you know, why do you want to stay in a system that's harming kids for 30 years? It just doesn't make sense. Yeah, I, I want to talk about two things that you brought up. There's a lot to unpack there. So the, fir the first thing is this idea about operating in a system that doesn't seem to be working. And I couldn't agree with that more. You know, I um, came from a school background that was fine, but that really emphasized compliance over uh, anything else. And I was fine to comply. I was a good young kid who just sort of did what he was told. But then when I got into teaching and saw how schools tend to serve students and how they served me really when I was younger, I became pretty disillusioned pretty quickly. And I was lucky early on to find big picture schools. Um, and they really allowed me to change my views and, and education. And I talked about that a little bit in our, in our last episode, and I could talk about that for a long time. But I think what, what is really critical about what you're saying from a perspective of change agency is that networks allow you to um, you know, collaborate and talk with individuals that help you realize that just because something is happening doesn't mean that's what should be happening right? And just because your school is operating under a certain mode or your school is operating under certain policies or has, quote unquote, right, does the enemy of the, of the great educator is the phrase, we've always done things this way, is just because your school or you are operating under this similar mode doesn't mean that that's positive for you, for students, or for society, really, as as we are trying to support students to change the world to be a better place for maybe their grandkids or their great-grandkids. And, and the second is this convening aspect, which is bringing people together who are sharing kind of a similar schema around what education could be. And it seems to me that that's sort of where the next network has kind of boiled out of, is this desire to bring individuals together, I guess, particularly around experiential teaching and learning. Can you just give us a little bit more about what Next is? And Well, yeah, I mean, I'm happy about talking about Next, but I, I want to actually jump back to the point about these ecosystems, because I don't want to leave that topic right away, because I think they're, it's really, sure. really important. You know, there is an ecosystem at play. The way states oversee education, the way the feds support the states, the way the feds create policies, um, you can see the outcomes of sort of policies that have gone awry, like NCLB. Um, and just even, uh, and people might hate this, but um, even the notion that you have like local systems that create public schools that are overseen by a school committee, um, it's problematic. Um, and I don't, I'm not going to go into the details on how that is problematic. I am very pro public schools. I want public funds and public support uh, giving every student opportunity to be able to 
thrive and pursue gainful lives and um, livelihoods. Um, but I think that, you know, you need to go like, if you live on the ground, you need to step 10,000 feet, 30,000 feet, or four miles into the air or six miles in the air and see the patterns that are wreaking this havoc on students and families. And I just need to go on the record that the entire system is ill-formed so that um, we have communities of caring adults working with youth that really are able to support their healthy development and growth, and in particular around their own sense of agency and possibility in life. I just need to call it out. <laughs> this is- so you're so you're suggesting that schools need to be better equipped to um, be able to nurture students and nurture families and work with a wider swath of what they're sort of designed to work with right now. In the best of all worlds, um, you you reengage communities to kind of think about the learning ecosystems you want to create that really assist and support the uh, positive possibilities for different youth. And it may look different across different, uh, but right now there's mandated sort of like, if I tell you high school, everybody sees exactly the same thing. So this is part of the next network, what I, I will segue into that. But, you know, and part of my work, like part of my work that I feel is really important besides like, working individually like not unlike you guys you matt janine mike julie where i asked the question what is it that you really want to be doing <laughs> right and how do we get there i mean i i think i i need to like ask that of every individual and then beyond that i need to go across individuals and communities and basically say to them you know, you don't have to do school like this. And they're like, well, what do you mean? <laughs> like, right, just posing that question is itself <laughs> dumbfounding for many communities. Right. I mean, you know, if you go across the country, you go into any high school, it's pretty much going to look exactly the same. There might be, you know, a very few scattering of high schools that are very different, which I know of, but anyway. And so when I say you don't have to do school differently, people are like, well, what do you mean? And, and I say, well, I mean, I, and this leads into the, the, the next network, but in my own other piece of work, which is, we'll say, well, let me tell you about a school, what you guys all are familiar with, in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, where there are no classes and no classrooms. And there's 140 or 150 kids who are part of the bottom floor of a startup building. And they're basically doing real-world projects in the community. And now the community, six or seven years later, comes and pitches projects to the kids. And when I mean big projects, I'm not talking about you know, like science fair projects. I'm talking about the kids um, redesigning warehouses for local industry so that they can you know, be more efficient or um, you know, creating uh, surveys with Unite, for United Way to identify trauma hotspots throughout the city, or um, you know, designing a $1.3 million pedestrian bridge to go over the river. But like those kids in Cedar, and this is Iowa big, 
the reality is that there are a, there are a few educators around the country who have basically said, yeah, like what if we don't do school like this? How would we do school? And they've created new ways of thinking about teaching, learning, and schooling. And I think that's the other thing that I go around and is is just to basically be like a I'm not sure this is the right way to use it, but a, a Johnny Appleseed and go around and say, hey, you know, you don't have to do school like this. You can do school like this, X, Y, and Z. And then people are like, wow, I can't believe that. Um, wow, people are doing school like that? Um, and it kind of blows their mind. Now, I will talk about next because that's what you asked about. And I always get back to the things you ask about, even though it might always. take a few minutes later. Right? <laughs> All right. So, you know, in a sense, Northeastern prides itself on experiential learning, and rightly so. We know the power of experiential learning, but the question that was raised about four or five years ago was how much are secondary or how much are K through 12 schools using experiential learning? And, you know, the reality is um, there is some, but not a lot. Um, most learning is is happening disconnected from the real world and disconnected from a student's authentic interest. And so the you know the, the university, which was was which was fantastic, said, well, what what could we do to have an impact in the K through twelve world? And you know you have you know you could have had a response like, well, we know what experiential learning is and we have all the answers. So we'll just tell all the K through 12 educators what they should be doing. But that, that's, I don't know. We don't, that's not the way we work, right? <laughs> it's like, that doesn't feel good <laughs> for me and, and the rest of the university. The, the reality is there are, uh, as I've already mentioned, there are educators across the country that are doing some incredible things with, with youth in the name of experiential learning. They're engaged in real world work, uh, industry partnerships, um, apprenticeships. Uh, they're making differences in their community and the world. I mean, there's a lot of experiential learning. In these schools that I've mentioned, like One Stone, BB Caps, Iowa Big, um, the Tacoma schools, um, there's a bunch of others, right? Um, I mean, you really think about it, is like they're creating a different experience for their students, right? So, you know, what is the experience that are creating? And then, then we basically decided that instead of saying, well, we have the answer, all you need to do is what we tell you to do. We said, well, let's bring these incredible, creative, innovative, forward-thinking educators in the K-12 through world that are pushing the envelope and doing school differently and engaging kids and authentic, real-world, student-centered uh, activities, and let's have them be, um, let's, let's give them the opportunity to show and share and inspire and empower the other educators across the country who have an interest in pursuing those same things but are not, but need, need, need some images, or have I call images of possibility. Well, there's a bubble of educators across the country that are really moving the needle. 
And, you know, one of the things about being in these little ecosystems is you, you need to get out of your ecosystem and find out what other people are thinking. And gettingsmart.com is not a bad place to go to learn about that. Back to the point around next, the question is, it's like, what really is most helpful is for us, not us to tell other educators what they should do or what experiential learning is, but to bring the people across the country who are really doing some amazing things within their communities and with their students and create an opportunity for the other educators across the country that are interested in what those educators do and create a, a, a place where they can share practices, share images of possibility. And then when they go back to their communities or their ecosystems, when they want to try to pursue those in their own communities, certainly they could reach out to us. I mean, we've got, you know, in the Graduate School of Education, we have some incredible educators that are working on this area, like Lydia Young and Kelly Kahn and Corliss Thompson and, you know, others, which is fantastic. Um, but the people that we want to net that we'll network them with is the other educators that are actually doing this. So, for example, when I talk about BA Caps or the Caps Network, you know, I'm happy to talk with them about it. But the best thing I could do is say, "Hey, you should talk to Corey Moan or Greg Brown or Chad Ralston or any of the other Caps people and talk with them because guess what? They're doing it. I'm actually not doing it. <laughs> and if you want to know what you can do or should do or could do." to move the needle in your own ecosystem or community, go to the other educators that have been able, have been, or are doing it in their, so that is the whole premise around next, is we think that, we believe that experiential learning is incredibly empowering, give agency to youth and students. And then we are, we are trying to, find those who are moving the needle in those ecosystems around experiential learning and student agency and student engagement and you know helping those students explore and pursue their interests and passions but we're connecting them we're we're connecting other educators who are interested in pursuing that with those educators so that they can learn from them and so we are a connector the power is in the network we are not the, we don't hold the knowledge. In fact, the expertise and experience lives in the network, not with us. But we are trying to facilitate the relationships and connections so people can feel like, oh, if I want to do this, here are the people I can go to to help me think about how I can do it in my own community. Dr. Unger, I'm, I'm curious, how did... Did this get started? Did it get started by professors at the university? Did it get started by K through 12 students, community? And then I'm also curious, um, you've talked a lot about the benefits of, of this network. Um, if you could just touch on a little bit of some of the challenges that, that maybe you guys have faced, um, it might be helpful, you know, as other people are thinking through networks. Yeah, I mean, I think there was an invitation to to the grad school of education and and the and the faculty there, um, uh, from the president, President Ayun, um, and his his um, his his office, um, 
you know, we, we you know, I could go on and on about how we employ experiential learning at Northeastern. Uh, but the, the the very real question is, you know, what's happening in K through 12? If it's power, if, if we see the power of it in in our own institution, and across the in and across institutions and higher ed, you know, what's happening K through 12? And and, mm. and so they came to the Graduate School of Education and they asked uh, a number of us and the leadership there, well, what could we do? And the answer was, well, we're not going to, you know create a bunch of, we're not going to like have the answer and do the typical PD and, you know, say we have the answers, just listen to us. We said, you know, there's expertise across the network. And in fact, the power is that there are educators who are moving the needle across the country, but they're disconnected. And, you know, one of the problems in education is that you can be in your ecosystem and we don't know all the incredible things that are happening across the country. There's no, when I go around and I tell people, did you think about doing school at like this or this or this or this? People are, their, their jaws drop basically and say, are there really people doing school like that? That just, you know, I'm, it always amazes me. Like there's no mechanism really, unless again, <laughs> plug for getting smart, you're actually reading getting smart and you're saying, Oh my gosh, there's like a whole bunch of educators across the country that are actually thinking about school like this and doing school like this. And, and you know, it's incredibly empowering. It might be deflating too, because you're saying, well, you know, why, why isn't my system, my school doing this? You know, then that, that's when I start to think about the individual person and what can I do to help them think about what is the trajectory that they want to have to make a difference? What's next, maybe with next, or what's on the horizon uh, for your plans? What kind of um, network building or um, what networks are you hoping to take advantage of? Or, um, you know, I guess just what's next? Yeah. So I think that one of the things that we've started to work on and I think is actually really, really powerful is to think about we've had. Um, We've had the last three summers, we've had uh, a, a, a summer institute where educators from across the country come to Boston on campus for two and a half or three days. And that's, it's, it's incredible. It's incredibly uh, energizing for me to be, you know, <laughs> frankly, we going out for a beer with a bunch of these folks that are just pushing the envelope in education. And and talking shop about like how, how do we even make more of an, a dent in in the system of education? You bring it up, you bring it together, but not everybody can come uh, to Boston uh, in, in the middle of summer with you know you know can I get the monies to go and the hotels are expensive although we have dorm space usually and and you know the flights and it's the middle of summer I've got my kids and all that kind of stuff so we started to. Um, to create um, some local sort of um, gatherings, um, uh, pop-ups, um, you know, in Charlotte, we've done this for a couple of years now, Seattle, we've done it for a couple of years. So instead of, you know, having to fly across the country in the middle of the summer, like in Charlotte this last November, we had a one day pop-up with educators that were all over from North Carolina and South Carolina. 
and you know you don't have to you know you you drive up you spend the day together people are sharing what they're doing people get super jazzed um we've done that for a couple of years now in seattle in march again local uh highlighting local schools local educators doing incredible things which is even kind of cooler because then you're like wow these these guys are up the road from me. I should go visit what they're doing, right? It's like they're not across the entire country. But I think that uh, one thing that we need to continue to think about is how we can create more local pop-ups. Uh, I know that this last March, we were going to run an event in uh, New Hampshire that had a number of educators are very interested um, and convening and coming together around uh, deeper learning and experiential learning. And one of the cool things about it, right? Like it's not us Northeastern people who are standing on a platform telling and preaching what we think other people would do. We were basically convening educators to showcase and share what they were doing in their own local communities or local schools or classrooms and ecosystems. And we were just convening everybody in the middle of, in, you know, at the, the Upper Valley Educator Institute in Lebanon, New Hampshire. And there were, we had, you know, 60 people signed up without much marketing at all who were going to come and share what they were doing to move the needle around student agency, student engagement, deeper learning. Um, Unfortunately, COVID came, so you know we, it was a call, a judgment call on ours. We hoped to do it in October, but we weren't able to do it. But you know, within a month, people found out about this convening, the opportunity to learn from each other, and I thought that was incredibly powerful. That the people from across Vermont, New Hampshire, wanted to travel two or three hours. We had some people even from the coast of Maine that were going to travel four hours simply to say, "Hey." I heard about this really cool school in Upper Vermont that's got this J-term thing. If you look up J-term and getting smart, I hate to plug that in. But anyway, the point being is, like, oh, I want to hear from those guys. And it, you know, we are like trying to inspire and empower educators and uh, in the classroom level, the school level, the district level. Think about doing school, teaching, learning, and schooling differently but by connecting them with one another. And I think in terms of what's next, I think if we can do more of that locally, so people, there's more access to that. Um, and then we're also playing with the notion of how do you create those convenings or connections virtually? So we're playing with some ideas. We don't have all the answers. We're, we're trying things out. I was just going to say, yeah, I've been thinking about how, like, how can we bring all these different networks together? Like if there was like one place to house them or, you know, like the network of all networks that like kind of listed or had access to all these different things that are happening like locally and nationally, like all, all in one place, um, just to make it more accessible for educators that are looking to rethink education and do something differently. There are a number of sort of networks that are actively talking with one another right now about how to engage all stakeholders in the question of what would you like to see in the future? And how can we all 
work, including all stakeholders, and what what role can networks play, are reimagining what school and schooling can look like when we come back from the COVID uh, context. A big takeaway from what I hear that you're saying, Chris, is that there's a, there's a certain hunger out there amongst educators, and even more, I think, educators that don't even realize it, right? Once you, I, I've experienced it so many times where I've talked to a new teacher or even a, even a veteran teacher and said, hey, have you ever thought about this? And their like mind is blown. And they're like, no. And then all of a sudden their practice is revolutionized, right? Just by asking somebody to think about things in maybe slightly a different way. So that leads me to believe that I th- that there are educators out there, to your point way earlier, which was educators are, are a unique group of people because they t- are typically getting into education to make some sort of change in the world, right? To empower the minds of young people, to do things that will change the future of the world in some way. And a lot of educators, I think, and that I maybe it's just the the feedback group that I'm running in, tend to think that they that schools can be doing a better job. But there's often not a lot of access to other individuals they feel that also feel that same way. Mm-hmm. So by allowing access to other individuals like maybe yourself or maybe our, you know, co-hosting group here or other folks in the industry of education who are really doing things differently, it all of a sudden turns this person's, you know, maybe initial thoughts about possibly doing things differently to like a, whoa, this is actually happening. There are actually people who are doing it differently. And then all of a sudden thoughts and seeds are planted that, you know, grow into giant blossoms of let's really make this happen and that that cycle i think perpetuates really important activity in education all around the country and i think to janine's point about the the network of networks is that it, it it's super critical that individuals like this connect with one another because it is it can be i think and i i see it often it can be really daunting to be the only teacher in your school who's trying to do things a little bit differently. It can be super daunting if you're feeling like you're on an island and isolated in um, in your practice on a regular basis. And that's what I see as some of the power of networks here really being, is that you're able to kind of grapple with your problems with like-minded individuals. You're able to bring people onto your team that you may not have thought about um, thought about being possible before and those individuals become your thought partners and your you know personal board of directors and whomever the people that are pushing you and encouraging you but also supporting you as you try to do things a little bit differently in your own life um just curious about how a person might join the next network well i mean easy you know (laughs) Just email next, N-E-X-T, at northeastern.edu and say, hey, uh, I want to know more, and can I get connected? And then uh, 
and then you're you're in the network. Uh, <laughs> you you know, then you we we try to send out uh, you know regular newsletters and updates about what's going on. I do want to say want to build on you know something, Mike, that you said. I want to kind sure. of take note of. You started at the very beginning of this saying, you know, the power of the network of schools. But then at this last instance, you talked about the power or need for educators to connect with one another. And I think um, if you are an educator in a school or a school system and you're thinking to yourself, wow, you know, Edit it out if you want. This sucks. <laughs> well, <laughs> this really sucks. Well, you know, there are others out there who have said the same thing mm-hmm. and are finding ways to do things differently. You need to find you need to find that there are you need to like connect with other people, again, individuals. You guys are connected. You're connected with me. Um, ben Owens, who runs Open Way Learning, I'm connected with him. Mike, you're talking with him. Um, I'm connected with Corey Moan and BB Caps, with Chad Carlson at uh, One Stone, John Kettler and Kristen Tinder in uh, Tacoma Schools. You know, when it comes down to it, and I started this whole thing, you will see I always wrap around. It sounds like I'm meandering all over the list, which I am, but I do circle <laughs> back. You're laughing because I do. Always. You know, I do always. <laughs> Who are those kindred spirits and allies and comrades that I can go to who can reinvigorate my sense of purpose and help me find my way in what I want to do with my life and how I want to make a difference in the world. It sounds totally crazy, maybe, but the reality is those are important questions, I think. And instead of trying to figure it out on your own, reach out to others, make connections, find out who else is thinking the same thing, find others that you can call colleagues and comrades so that you can start doing and doing the things that you want to do and making the difference you want to make. I think this episode really has been all about how networks have helped Chris Unger kind of rethink what's going on out there, whether that's personal networks or networks of schools like we've been talking about here. And Janine, Julie, and Matt, as we sit here and we've been listening to all of this, Let's talk about some of our takeaways. How has what Chris has been talking about here helped us kind of rethink education? There's obviously a ton there, and I definitely got some uh, some great ungerisms um, to, nice. to think about <laughs> and to to ponder. But the image that's in my mind that that sort of stuck there is the image of a needle moving, because um, that's something that Dr. Unger said again and again, like. How are we going to move the needle? And I think that image is really helpful. How's it going to move? And and sort of the me- the needle's not going to move by itself. So so what's going to push it? And where's it going? And what's the direction? So it's not just going to sort of go to you know the abyss, but it's going to a direction that I've been sort of thinking about. And I 
and like I said in the last episode, um, I haven't really grasped um, and taken account of of the power of networks, and this sort of made me think and reflect. Like the network can help move that needle in a more powerful way than one person can do on their own, and um, and yeah, I'm just just really thankful for that, and just uh, going to think about that a little bit more. Yeah, I can really appreciate making connections with like individual people, um, but then also expanding on those to make these bigger, bigger networks. I mean, I always have this idea that, you know, we're, we get more together than we can ever alone. So it is great to try and find like-minded people, surround yourself with those people um, that are going to, you know, lead the charge with you. Um, and then I keep coming back to this idea that if we can connect the networks <laughs> that because again just being able to to do more together um and just getting being on the same page and just i don't know i'm thinking like education and like like i don't know hopefully it doesn't take that long but 20 years time that um all throughout the country or all throughout the world they're you know we'll be sharing different things exciting things that are happening and no two schools are really going to look alike that they're all going to look different it would just be totally flipped <laughs> i'm thinking about um you know school outside the box and how chris has highlighted some schools who really are doing school differently right now um and i think being part having those relationships um for me has really helped me see not just outside of my own classroom, but sort of like up and around corners, you know, you things I didn't know uh, existed before uh, gives you a new idea, definitely improves my own practice and also professionally has given me, you know, lots of opportunities to say yes uh, to things that have come my way that I would not have known about otherwise. Um, so that that's what I would say is it's an encouraging um thing to think about is that there are schools doing it well they're rethinking education um mm -hmm. just in case we haven't said that yet um but those relationships um they're really priceless to me and um janine i think uh you know you're onto something there <laughs> yeah i would i would add to that that uh it's the relationships that are built into the networks that are really fueling my fire to um, do things differently in education and really pushing me to think about like what's possible you know if this is what we have what we have right now and we know it's not working for as many students as we think it should be working for then what's really possible and who's doing that work how do I get in connected with those people and then how do we do that work together last segment here is our plug Janine what do you want to plug all right, I'm going to plug united3d.org. Uh, okay. one, one of our former students, uh, Arnav, he and a couple other uh, members of his team have are working on um, creating PPE for healthcare workers using their 3D printers. Um, so cool. Yeah, united3d.org. You can volunteer to help out. You can donate um, to help with the cause. Or even if you have a 3D printer, they will tell you, give you instructions on what you can do. So you can volunteer to help in a lot of different ways. That's awesome. Julie, what are you plugging? Well, I would like to plug Open Up Education since uh, Chris had mentioned Tri-County Tri Early College down in North Carolina, um, written by Adam Hagler and his co-author Ben Owens. Cool. Matt, what are you plugging? 
Yeah, uh, I'm going to plug Jamboard. It's a Google product that goes to a hardware, um, like a computer screen that's pretty expensive, but you still use the software without getting the expensive hardware. And it's basically like a whiteboard. So in all these virtual meetings these days, and you can uh, get Jamboard in your Google suite, and then you can share out uh, your whiteboard and you can collaborate and share your screen. So yeah, it's a pretty cool tool. Cool. All right, Chris Unger, what are you going to plug this fine evening? I don't plug you guys. <laughs> <laughs> so everybody should listen to Rethink EDU. Yeah, yeah. Well, more than that, I mean, think about everything that we've been talking about tonight, right? You need to find out other people. You need allies. You need comrades. You need to create relationships. If you're listening to this and you, and you think, wow, this is kind of cool. Who are these guys? Matt, Janine, Julie, you know, Mike, you know, guess what? Email them, call them, say, here's who I am. This is where I'm at. This is what I'm thinking. You, you guys and we together created an incubator in Philadelphia uh, in November, I think it was, where we brought individual educators together or individuals together and saying, hey, what is the thing you would like to manifest in the world? And we're basically let's let's take these ideas and these uh, and put them into practice. You, you guys are living it. You guys are connecting. You're building on your relationships with one another to actually manifest this. You're building your relationship with me, which is fantastic. And I feel fortunate to have the relationship with you guys. And you know, so you know, if you're looking to connect and if you take this podcast to heart, it's so like. Reach out to Julie, Janine, Matt, and Mike, and say, "Hey, I, I, you know, this kind of this kind of resonated with me. I, I don't know what I want to do or what I want to do. Or I think I know what to do, but I, I need, you know, I need some, I need, I need people to help me think about this. So the invitation, the plug is to connect with these guys and figure out what it is you want to do in the world and how do you want to make a difference." And invite them into the conversation to help you think about how you can realize what it is you want to do. I want to thank you, Chris, for joining us this evening. It's been a real pleasure to have you. Before we head on out, I, I guess I haven't plugged anything. So I'm going to plug actually a new network of networks. Janine, this one is for you. Um, it's called Go Boundless. So this is a startup effort of... Um, Ted Dintersmith and Ken Robinson and Emily Leitag. And their whole purpose of creating Go Boundless is to bring networks together and individuals together to sort of rethink education, right? Um, so some of their partners right now, and it's really just on the ground level, but are some of these networks that we're talking about. So they've got big picture learning on board. They've got most likely to succeed, high tech high, PBL Works, EL Education, the Learning Policy Institute. So you're talking about a lot of different networks of schools that are really pushing the envelope to try to do things differently, coming together under Go Boundless's um, toolage here. So if you check them out, it's called they're called Go Boundless. It's just goboundless.org. Um, have a look at their website. I just signed up for their newsletter a couple days ago. It's really at the ground level. So super cool, super exciting. And 
Thanks everybody for listening to this episode of Rethinking EDU. Be sure to hit us back for our next couple episodes, which are also going to focus on um, networks and the power of networks. Matt, Julie, and Janine, always a pleasure. Chris, thanks for joining us. Thanks everybody for listening. 